It is the 200 level episode 215. Sink good, ladies and gentlemen. First off, this is a re recording. We had a live pod with me and Isaac from the Sunroom studio and reacted during the second half of the game. And predictably, we were upset and we had a nice 30, 40 minute rant at the end of it. And then I was going to save it. And this program that I use, it said it was a corrupted file. So we lost an hour and a half podcast. It is gone and it's in the ether. Everything that Isaac and I said is now in the air, never to be heard again. And I wish you could have heard it because I think that it would have been cathartic. So what I'll try to do in this re-recording is offer some catharsis for what we just watched. Now, the Maryland game left me with a sense of emptiness, but there was an inevitability to it that made it darkly comic in a way. I don't think anyone expected to win the Maryland game, and likewise, I don't think many expected us to beat Purdue. Fair enough, right? But it was the manner in which two weeks in a row you have snatched defeat from the jaws of victory that has me now a little bit concerned, long-term. And maybe that's being overreactive. I'm not sure. Um, It very well could be, and God knows as a fan, we have the propensity to do that. We overreact to what we've just seen. Um, but there are major yellow flags now. And if this is what Bielema football was going to be, then I don't know how well that's going to work unless you get the horses that you need and uh, unless you actually get a quarterback, which you apparently don't have. Um, But really, we need to start at the top. Trust me, I'm going to spend plenty of time on Brandon Peters because that was awful. and He's been really, really bad this year and deserves criticism as a quarterback. Um, I hope that it's not interpreted that what I say about 23-year-old Brandon Peters is personal. But as a quarterback, he's been very, very bad this year. But there are people that are making the decision to continue to trot him out there only to fail and fail over and over again. And that would be Brett Bielema and his offensive coordinator, Tony Peterson. Ryan Walters, hey man, get out of jail free card. You were excellent today. Actually, more than that, you get a badge of honor. Defense two weeks in a row has been something I've enjoyed watching. I think most Illini fans have as well. Yep, they gave up the late touchdown. But you know what? It felt That felt inevitable, right? They were going to give up a touchdown at some point. I wish they could have made one more stop. They didn't, but you know what? 13 points in college football, you give up 13 points, you give your offense plenty of chances to win the game. Yeah, I think they're doing just fine. And I'm actually enthused by the progress that we're seeing and the fact that it's some new faces on the defensive side of the ball that are giving us a little bit of hope. But offensively, that was atrocious. Um, That was one of the worst offensive performances I've seen. And that is when you still factor in the fact that Josh McCray is a star. You had this find at the running back position, a true star. And he goes out there and busts his ass. And yet you still find a way to even turn a good story, a good narrative into a what the hell were you thinking narrative when Josh McCray isn't out there for third and ones or short yardage situations. And Reggie Love, who is not a running back built to run behind this line, is getting stuffed at the line of scrimmage or behind. There are many issues, but we need to start with the primary one, which is Brett Bielema. And you all know that I was a staunch supporter of this hire. And you know what? I'm not jumping ship. I don't want this to be interpreted 
as Carp is done with Brett Bielema. It is far too early to do that. And yes, there are talent deficiencies on the field at certain positions. So I did not expect an immediate turnaround, but I did expect far better than this. There are certain things that he does control, though. And that is the overall mindset and aggressiveness of this team. And he has coached scared two weeks in a row. He has coached like a guy that probably has the caliber of a Wisconsin offensive or defensive line that can win these 13 to 10 slugfest time in and time out when in actuality, he does not have that. He is not adapting to the talent that he has. And what has happened two weeks in a row now is you have found ways, very creative ways, mind you, to lose games that you should have won. This team could very easily be four and one if it weren't for the coaching staff. And I am pinning this first and foremost on them. Before we get into that and before we kind of go down the list of all the crap that was out there today on the field when you should have won in West Lafayette, may I remind you that the 200 level is brought to you by DP Doe. I'm on a dpdoe.com. Order online at dpdoe.com and they will deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. So if you're looking to you know, drink your sorrows away and you need a nice calzone to give you that nice you know, pre-drinking sustenance, DP Doe, hey, it worked for us back in college. It can work for you now. This stuff is probably the best bang for your buck for food that you're going to get in Champaign-Urbana. So go online to dpdoe.com. Also, Rector Construction, that's R-E-C-T-O-R construction.com for all your home exterior needs. These guys are great craftsmen, superior customer service, and they're also great citizens of the community. They've been giving back to Champaign-Urbana since they got off the ground. Hey, Isaac works there. He was great on the podcast today, by the way. Until I lost it. Isaac, apologies for that. RectorConstruction.com. And if you call them, hey, you might even talk to Isaac. State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at BrianIsMyGuy.com. For life, auto, home, business renters, you name it. Brian and his staff will hook you up with great State Farm prices. Life, auto, home. Well, I already gave you the list for that. Uh, I do know this, though. Uh, Kara and I have a homeowners and auto bundle. And we just worked with them to get things squared away for the next year. It's so easy to work with them. And you do get really low State Farm prices. So it's great coverage at a State Farm rate with Brian and his staff at brianismyguy.com. And finally, 4th and Kirby, online at 4th and They have vintage-inspired Illini apparel, T-shirts for the upcoming warm weekends. We're going to have beautiful weekends coming up in the tailgate lots. I will still wear my Illini swag because 4th and Kirby, their swag looks that good. So go to 4th and Plenty of football stuff. And of course, with basketball season just around the corner, media day this week coming up, you can get anything and it all looks good and it fits great. And this is high quality stuff too. The t-shirts are not like Gildan heavy cotton. No, these are really comfortable cotton t-shirts at 4th and Alana uh, Inquirer and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network partners with the 200 level. Now, if I sound a little bit out of sorts, <laughs> it's been a frustrating half hour, you know, losing the podcast. And I said some words that uh, I don't normally say in that order. And even the dog had to come in and sit on my lap and, you know, say, hey, is everything okay? Um, had some dinner. So I, I, I'm sitting here and trying to collect my thoughts and finding out that I'm still kind of pissed off about what happened. Of course, with the podcast, I'm losing that. But with this team, they should be 4-1. and one. And when we looked at the schedule, we knew that they had an opportunity to make hay early. And I think that's why we thought a 5-7 and seven, or maybe even a 6-6 six and six season was possible. That was my expectation. I think it is an entirely reasonable expectation. I think these are modest expectations for college football for a Power 5 team that gets three non-conference games and is in the easier division in the Big Ten. 
you should be 3-0 and in the Big Ten. You are not. You're 1-2. and You're 1-4 and overall. And it is because, most of all, you have an absolutely putrid offense. Now, who does this start with? It starts with Brett Bielema. And this podcast is going to go heavy on Brett Bielema. And what I, what I perceive to be coaching failures, the likes that I did not anticipate he would bring to the table. I thought we had competence. I think after the Nebraska game, we all thought, okay, here's the blueprint. We see it. We saw that the other team, they beat themselves, and then we take advantage of it. That is what a Brett Bielema team will do. Well, instead, the tables have flipped, and this conservatism, which I wasn't necessarily against in the Nebraska game and re-watching that because I wasn't able to see it live, but you still had big plays peppered in throughout that, and it felt like there was still a bit more pedal to the metal. We are going to go win this game, whereas the last two weeks, I mean, listen, the UTSA game, that was bad. The Virginia game, that's a joke when you look at what Virginia has done since, including losing at home to Wake Forest yesterday, and then having North Carolina blow the doors off of them with 59 points when you can only put up 14 measly points at Virginia. Okay, those are two bad losses. That's lovey kind of stuff, right? Okay, we're trying to detoxify from the Lovey Smith era, right? That was the way that I kind of viewed it. And instead, the last two weeks have brought back the worst parts of the Lovey Smith experience, which is being way overly conservative, punting whenever possible, and not trying to put your foot on the neck of the opponent when you could have. When the opponent was saying, please win the game, take this game from us, we don't want it. And you had no intent in doing so. It is maddening. On a macro level, you have lost the fan base. Not that they won't come back, and not that when I say lost, that means that we are done with Brett Bielema, but you have lost any intrigue for the rest of the year. So all of a sudden, the Charlotte game, we're going to tailgate the heck out of it. It's going to be a beautiful fall day. Somewhere in the low 80s, I think, hopefully sunny as well. We're going to make a production of it, but I am not setting foot in that stadium because this is not a product worth investing that kind of time and energy in. Spending time with friends? Watching the game on TV outside on a beautiful fall day? You bet. Going into the stadium to watch this coaching staff find their way to another loss? That is not something I'm interested in. When they have no business starting one and four and potentially, excuse me, one and five, when I think about how ill-timed the Charlotte game is. I mean, uh, you know, there could have been a hangover effect after the Maryland game today. Fortunately, the team, at least on defense, came out inspired. You know, it wasn't like they laid down or anything like that, uh, today at least. But when you have Charlotte coming into town, I do worry about whether or not this team will get up to the degree that they need to to get this win. So we'll, we'll save that for next Saturday. But I do think that the loss today basically means for the rest of the year, casual fans are done. And even some hardcore fans are saying, you know what, I'm just going to wait this one out. My friends, for example, most of them Illini alums, they didn't even watch the game today. And we could sit here and say, well, what kind of fans are they? They aren't alone. There is a major lack of interest in this football program. And what we saw today and last Friday and then the UTSA game and yeah, the Virginia game as well. Well, no wonder. You went winless in September when you had a very favorable schedule. And you have no one to blame but yourselves. So starting with Brett Bielema, if you were to come in and want to do away with the old toxic kind of culture, which it was, Lovey was a loser of a head football coach in college. He was a loser. It was a losing program because he was too lazy to do his damn job. He didn't want to go out there and hustle the way that Illini coach would need to. 
And he just wasn't schematically where you had to be to get this program back on the up and up. So we suffered through five years of the Lovey Smith experience, thinking that maybe we could exercise those demons with a guy like Brett Bielma that is a proven commodity. And instead, we get the same sort of play-not-to-lose nonsense from Brett Bielema that leads to a punt on a fourth and two. Full disclosure, just like last week with a fourth and one, at that time, I thought, well, wait a second. You don't have McCray. You don't have Chase Brown. The fourth and one against Maryland, I kind of get it. I thought we were going to get stuffed. But then, in hindsight, wait a second. You're Illinois. You're trying to change things. Make a statement. Go for it. If you get it, you're going to win the damn game. And they didn't, and they lost. Today, fourth and two. Now, it sounded as if he would have went for it on fourth and one, as if one yard is that big of a deal, and especially with Josh McCray running the way that he was. He was phenomenal. You have a superstar, and you are wasting him right now, and you wasted him on the perfect opportunity to throw him out there. I don't care if there's eight or nine guys in the box, or here's a better idea, as I said on the podcast that no longer exists now. If you know that they're going to put nine guys in the box, line back up there after the timeout, have McCray in the backfield, do a play action, hit Luke Ford for a three, four-yard gain, and then move the chains. I mean, after all, this is the 23-year-old starting quarterback that you've decided to continue rolling with after the craptastic performance against Maryland and an even worse one today. I digress. That is a loser move from Brett Bielema. And he said he'd do it 100 times over. That's a problem. That is a long-term problem, and that's the kind of soundbite that already in Game 5 we're looking at and thinking, what the hell are we looking at with this Brett Bielema experience? Is this it? Playing scared when you inherited a crap program, historically awful program, and you're going to play scared. Punt it, and then within three plays, Purdue has gained all that yardage back. Three plays. Now, I think the defense is still accountable for that. As well as they were playing, you still... Got to execute. Well, they didn't. Purdue started finding those soft spots 15 yards down the field. Boom, boom, boom. All of a sudden, all the yardage that you gained after a great punt, and it was a great punt, down to the six, it's gone. And then Purdue goes 94 yards. I mean, you can't make this stuff up, but if you look at how O'Connell was throwing it when he wasn't throwing it one of your guys, that offense is moving for Purdue. So unless... They bailed you out with another bad throw or Kirby Johnson or sorry, Kirby Johnson, Kirby Joseph or Tony Adams. Hey, those were great plays. Those should have been the plays of the game. Instead, they're null and void. They mean nothing. They mean nothing because you didn't get the stop when you needed to because you put your defense back on the field when you probably didn't need to. It's a loser move. And if he is going to dig his heels in on that, I'm worried. And we'll see Monday. He'll do another press conference. He'll probably... Dig his heels in about that. Another thing, if he digs his heels in, I think I might maybe not vomit, but dry heave, is if they decide to double down with the Brandon Peters experiment. And I say experiment for a guy that's started a lot of games for Illinois, but has never really done a lot in the way to prove that he is a college football quarterback. As a friend of mine tweeted today, uh, <laughs> uh, do you remember when the News Gazette said that he was a Heisman contender? Yeah, I do. I do. Uh, whoops. He is a bad quarterback. Okay, this needs to end. And if we are going to have the argument that Art Sitkowski is not good either, then we need to have a discussion to what degree, okay? To what degree is Art Sitkowski bad and to what degree is Brandon Peters bad? Well, one of them has a win this year and the other does not. One of them is actually connected on a few deep throws and the other has not. 
And then there's the intangible qualities that tell you that Brandon Peters is, is either disinterested or just lacks any semblance of leadership abilities. And it makes you wonder if the coaches are this blind to it and they're digging their heels in. They've already lost two games as a result or partially as a result of having him trot out a quarterback. Well, how are the guys on the sideline feeling about that? You're telling me that after bad throw after bad throw, a sack that he didn't need to take after three consecutive balls at the end of the game, second and 10, third and 10, fourth and 10, to end it. He didn't even put his guys in a position where they could have made a play on it or got a defensive pass interference. Instead, he just throws it way over their heads one, two, three times. And that's the game. That's your 23-year-old super senior quarterback that Tony Peterson said, I like him because he's pissed off about what happened against Maryland. You dope. That's what you like? Well, he didn't really channel that anger into any sort of positive production on the field. And clearly, Tony Peterson is in over his head to a degree. I don't know what the offensive identity is other than, please, Josh McCray, break three tackles and move the chains here and then. And that's about all you got right now. Chase Brown didn't travel. Don't know why. But (laughs) McCray was spectacular today. And I hope that he stays here for his collegiate career because that kid is special. And I love watching him run. And he is a specimen, 240 pounds. He's got sneaky speed. It's like watching him in slow motion, though. He makes it look easy even when five guys are hitting him. And he's still moving the pile. So you get this superstar performance that should have eased things from Brandon Peters. And yet you still can't figure anything else out on offense. And then you find ways on third and short to put out a Norwood or Reggie Love, when those are not the guys you need to be running out of short yardage situation. I don't know if it's getting too cute or just being an idiot, but this is terrible play calling from Tony Peterson. And we can talk about the lack of talent. I'm okay to have that conversation, and maybe Tony Peterson two years from now looks like a genius. I'm guessing he won't be here in two years. Because the yellow flags are there to suggest that this was not a good hire. This is major regression from an offense that wasn't even that good last year. This is major regression. And I'll try to do some digging into the numbers, but just the eye test. Can't you see that? That this is worse than last year's offense by a considerable margin. And it has no excuse to be that way. Even with a wide receiving core, I know it's got issues. But you got running backs. You got enough veteran offensive linemen. I know the quarterback room ain't that great, but you have at least a better option than the one that you trotted out there two weeks in a row. And yet he didn't do it. And we'll see how big his pride is. We'll see if on Monday he says, well, we're going with Brandon. If so, oh my God. I don't know what more you need to see. I don't know why there is this loyalty to Brandon Peters when he's not your guy. And production-wise, there should be no loyalty in the first place. But if he comes out and says that Monday, we got a problem. Well, we already got a problem, but we have a, oh my God, these guys are delusional kind of problem. So it starts at the top with Brett Bielema, an absolutely horrid performance late in that game. I understood the blueprint he was going for. We're going to keep it within our arm's reach, and we're going to get that big player, big score, and that'll put us over the top. Unfortunately, that never came. Not a single touchdown. I thought towards the end of the game, it's going to have to come from the defense. And credit to Kirby Joseph and Tony Adams, who struggled early and then made a big play late. And I was going in on Tony Adams during that podcast. And I was happy to eat crow. That was a big play that, unfortunately, uh, along with many big plays that the defense made, doesn't mean a whole lot. You know? I'm at the point now where there is this sort of 
lack of patience where I don't care how they get it done, just get it done. I don't care how you win, just get the win. And I think about all the weeks that I have not been able to sit and think about the upcoming Illini football game with any sort of excitement. We're about to go into another one of those with Charlotte coming into town. 11 a.m. kick, what, 20,000 people in the stands, if that, even though it's going to be a beautiful day, because people don't want to come out for that crap. And I kind of wish it was a later game, because when it's that early, you get to the tailgate lot, it's 9 o'clock, it's like, do I start drinking already? Jesus. (laughs) For this game? Uh, I guess so, you know, and it will be a great day for that. But I just hate the fact that we are already looking at a football season before it's October, and just kind of waiting for it to run out. Just let's run out the clock and end this thing. That is just really sad. After the excitement that was felt after the first week, the opportunity to really build momentum, and since that first week, you go 0-4 in the month of September. 0-4. Bad loss UTSA, blowout, and then these two that should have been wins. You should be, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say 4-1, right? I think UTSA, they beat you fair and square. You, you just were not good that game. Nor were you necessarily good against Maryland or Purdue, but you were good enough until you weren't. And that makes this all the more frustrating. Our modest expectations, had they been met, this team would be 3-2 and two right now. And 3-0 and oh in the Big Ten. Imagine how different that narrative would be on the BTN Live show. They're talking about Brett Bielma. Yeah, they lost to UTSA in Virginia, but 3-0 and oh in the Big Ten West. That would be a storyline in the Big Ten with... Next week, playing Charlotte, presumably winning that game if you were 3-2. and two, And I think they would. I think they would have been able to catapult winning today, winning next week, 3-3 three and three with Wisconsin coming to town. Or if they had been 3-2 and two, like they should be, you beat Charlotte to go 4-2 and two, like I predicted this stupid team should have gone. And instead, here we are. And I guess it's not too late, technically, but you already have three other losses on the schedule. You aren't beating Iowa, you aren't beating Wisconsin, you aren't beating Penn State. And again, I'll be happy to eat crow if you beat either of those teams, but the fact is you won't. So um, you had the opportunities. It felt like these were the games that the opponent was giving you. That's not always going to be the case. The opponent is not always going to give them to you. Charlotte may not give it to you. And if they don't, is this team going to be able to snatch it anyway? I have doubts. You know, as I sit here and do this podcast after losing an hour and a half and thinking about the time investment in this team and in this program. And even when I pretend that I don't care, of course I care. And of course you care, you know, um, it doesn't hurt so much, right? When I was a younger fan and there was a big loss, you know, you build it up all week and then it doesn't go the way that you want it. You know, that's the kind of pit in your stomach feeling, right? This is a different pit in the stomach feeling. And it's kind of coming from a place of exhaustion where I've already done the waiting game my entire life for this stupid football program. And I thought with good reason, you know, based on track record that you finally got a competent coach and that's all I needed. I said many times on this podcast, consistent competence, consistently competent. I said after the first week against Nebraska, beautifully boring Just run the ball, play okay defense, don't make mistakes, and you're going to find your way into victories. And even after checking some, if not a lot of those boxes, there are coaching decisions that are directly leading to losses. This fan base is looking at this right now and thinking, here we go again. And that's a bad place to be this early. 
even with Lovey in year one, I think we just chalked it up to, well, that was the Beckman era. But after a while, a fan can only deal with so many rebuilds before they check out completely. And I, I think for the most part, most fans will be right back on board if they see success, right? And that's not bandwagoning. That's just being rational. I don't think any of you should invest any more time or energy than you need to unless your heart's really in it. And why would your heart be in this team as much as it would be if they won games, which they aren't doing, and I don't know when they will. That is hopeless. It's a hopeless feeling. And uh, I wish I had a solution. You know, I thought Brett Bielema was the solution. I thought he was the antidote to years of bringing in guys that were not proven head college football coaches, right? Ron Turner, offensive coordinator. Lou Tepper, defensive coordinator. Ron Zook, a little bit of success at Florida, but we knew he was a recruiter more than a coach. Tim Beckman, well, there you go. <laughs> Bill Cubitt, whatever. Uh, Lovey Smith, okay, well, he took a flyer on him. And even though it failed, I don't begrudge Josh Women for that. But, man, these decisions that we've seen the last two weeks from Brett Bielema and the rationalization of them in the press conferences, uh, you're losing me, man. You're losing me. And, and what, that, what that means is not that, okay, this was a bad hire. It is way too early to tell that. But I hate feeling as if I'm going to have to wait and see, take yet another wait-and-see approach to see if this is going to be any different from what I've seen before. And unfortunately, it doesn't look any different. I know the margin of defeat is not much, right? That is an improvement. You got one blowout so far this year. If you want to use that as a sign of progress, I'm okay with that. You are competitive. But this offense is so inept. It is so bad. There were Chase Crouch offenses that were better than this. And what's the excuse? I know some people on Twitter were saying, well, you know, lack of talent. Okay, sure. You know, I, I get that. I do. But this is college football in 2021. It ain't that damn hard to score. It really isn't. This game is designed the way college football set up for teams to score and score often. And we can't even get a touchdown. I mean, how many touchdowns do we have against Power 5 teams? We, we calculated this during the podcast that is now no longer there. Uh, three against Nebraska on offense, one defensive, right? Against UTSA, uh, well, okay, I'm just going power five. Virginia, two. Okay, so that's five total. Maryland, two. That's seven. Today, zero. Seven offensive touchdowns in four games against power five teams is abysmal. Essentially, that's the offense averaging about, you know, 11, 12 points a game. Thankfully, James McCourt hits a lot of field goals, and he missed one today, but you know what? Going three for four and making a 50-yarder, I'm not going to pin this on James McCourt for going 75% today. That's still pretty good. Your special teams, yet again, was phenomenal. Other than a block in the, bla block in the back, excuse me, uh, that happened early, and there was no need for it and negated a nice return from Navarro, and it's just one of those, you got to be kidding me. And yet all that, isn't enough to win with a great game from Josh McRae because your quarterback is awful. Your offensive coordinator is just maddeningly inconsistent and, and erratic. It's really er erratic more than anything. I was dumbfounded by the personnel decisions, specifically at running back, when you have a star performance by McRae. There was one time that he motioned out. I saw this in the fourth quarter. He wanted a breather. Okay, fair enough. He's running super hard. Okay, he gets a breather. 
And then the next two downs, or the next three, I think, it was Reggie Love. Again, not built for this line, not built to have success behind this offensive line the way that they're playing. And there were so many opportunities where you could have McCray just go get you the first down. I mean, by God, he did it all day. And instead, you didn't and found yourself in these fourth down situations, which led to Brett Bielema making boneheaded calls in these fourth down situations. He's getting roasted right now, Bielema. Roasted, rightfully so, on Twitter by guys like Tom Fernelli, Brad Evans. You know, these are national riders that have an Illini background. And the way that they're seeing it is you lost this game more than anything because of coaching decisions. I don't disagree with that. And I'm tired of it. You know, I pulled my hair out, figuratively speaking, fortunately, uh, when Ron Zook would go for two out of nowhere. That seems like child's play compared to this. Time management was a bugaboo for him. I actually thought the time management for Illinois at the end of the game, I thought was perfect. They were taking their time. Either we're going to score here, or that's the end of the game. Well, unfortunately, it was the end of the game. But there are certain things from Bielema I like, and I, I like the overall idea and blueprint that we're going to let the other team make mistakes. But while you can do that, eventually, you have to let them make their mistakes and still go out and make two or three plays in a game that are going to make the difference. Your defense made two of those today with those interceptions. All you needed was one damn play from your quarterback. One. And you couldn't even get that. One. God, we talked on the podcast, me and Isaac, about, listen, you know, for Brandon Peters, again, modest expectations. Make three or four throws a game. You got a big arm. Connect on one or two deep throws, maybe. Make another couple nice, you know, first down gainers or, you know, third and long convert. You didn't really get that. And if I see another freaking wide receiver run a three-yard route on a third and five to go, keep in mind the last play of the game on offense. Navarro was still two yards shy of the first down marker. So even if Brandon Peters connects with them, you don't get the first down. What the hell is going on out there? This is boneheaded stupidity. And what it's telling me is this is not a very well-coached offense. I know that they weren't very well coached under Rod Smith either. Trust me, Rod Smith, for all the love that we had people heap on him, it was really the skinniest kid at fat camp, which is maybe a poor choice of words when I'm talking about Rod Smith. But the defense was so bad that the offense, in comparison, looked serviceable. Now, it's the complete opposite. Why can't these two things coexist? Why can't the defense be much improved and the offense can just not regress to the levels of which we haven't seen since a Chase Crouch. No offense, Chase. <laughs> you probably would have done better today than Brandon Peters, if I'm being honest. So, yeah, I, I want my cake and eat it too on occasion. Why is it always something? It's the Murphy's Law thing that seems to plague a Illini football fandom, where we can never have it all. But really, we're not asking for it all. We're just asking for decency, and we cannot get that. Good God, Purdue's probably going to win another two or three games this year. Okay, maybe. They might go to a bowl. They might not. Even with David Bell, what's really going on at Purdue? I don't know what Brom is building. I don't know if he's building anything. And then you see Minnesota lose today to Bowling Green. And I think, well, you probably got a shot against Minnesota, even though it's at Minnesota. You had a shot in the Big Ten West this year with all these older guys, right? Well, that was a big mistake on my part, equating you know, experience with actual talent, which they clearly don't have much of. But you have enough of these like younger guys that are starting to 
adapt to these roles that are making plays and you got a nice smile like a McCray and you're thinking, okay, you're really only okay quarterbacking away from being three and two or decent play calling on offense from being three and two or actually going for it and converting a fourth down in a late game situation from going three and two. And they couldn't do one of those things when it mattered the most. Enough. Figure it out. There's no patience. It's gone, right? The honeymoon period, long gone. And this today pissed me off in a way that I have not been angry in a lot of football game in a long time. Maryland, I had other things to think about last weekend with the concerts we were playing. And thank God, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but this is just one that you stew on and you think, what a missed opportunity. Because let's be honest about this. Let's say they win, right? We have the same questions about the team, and we might even have some of the same questions about the coaching staff, especially Peterson. But a win cures all. Literally, winning cures everything. Brad Underwood, I don't know if he's a top five or top 10 X's and O's coach. I mean, we saw in the Loyola game, he can lay a stinker. I got... A few questions, I suppose, about Brad Underwood, but guess what? He wins a lot of games, so I tend to be more forgiving. I think a lot of fans would be much more forgiving. If they just won today, it just just buys you some mojo, right? It buys you a little bit of, okay, I think this coaching staff knows what they're doing, but instead we're sitting here, and if there was a health meter on, you know, coaching, the confidence that the Illini fan, the average Illini fan has in this coaching staff, It'd be really low right now. There's not a lot of confidence. And I, I just did not expect that. I didn't. You know, Tony Peterson was hired. Didn't know much about him, but it looked like he had enough pedigree. And even though he was a journeyman offensive coordinator, he had enough experience. And I thought, okay, this seems like probably a more vanilla hire. But if you run the ball, okay. Well, the problem is that's about all you can do. And thank God for McCray because other guys can't really run behind this line. Chase Brown, we'll see next week if he comes back. He can. But uh, other than that, this offense doesn't do anything well. <laughs> uh, you better figure it out quick. And unfortunately, the schedule gets really tough really quick. Not next week. But uh, Wisconsin, as bad as Graham Mertz looked today, I mean, can't you envision a game where you're hanging around with Wisconsin and then the same thing happens? And eventually losing close, in a way, is, I don't know, more deflating when you see blatant examples of, God, if you just would have done this, you would have won that game. That's all you had to do. It's sort of like the flip side of when Mike Riley completely botched that game in Illinois in 2015. And what was so shocking about that, not only was it a dumb call by Mike Riley to, I think, throw for it on a third down and stop the clock when he essentially could have run the clock out, right? He got too cute. Illinois gets the ball back. They go down and they win it. Wes Lunt throws to Geronimo, I think, like three times in a row. Got a couple pass interferences. And it was fun, but you know, you could also recognize that, wow, they choked. Just as much as Illinois went back, came back to win that game, Nebraska choked. And it felt so shocking because as an Illini fan, we were usually the ones that found very creative ways to lose. Well, now, yes, that's what's happening. We are doing to other teams what Nebraska did for us back in 2015. We're saying, here you go. No, 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 no. You, you take the win. We, we don't want it. I know you're giving it to us, but you, you take it. God dang, man, just get the win. Please get a win. Get any win. I mean, if you lose to Charlotte, you are really staring down the barrel of a 1-11 season. The idea that the wheels are going to come off 
I, I really think you can only afford a few backbreaking losses. I really do. I don't know if you can week in, week out, have stuff like this before eventually the guys are just done and they stop being as responsive. I mean, you know that there are questions in that locker room. Why did Coach not go for it? I know Blake's a good punter, but why didn't we just have Josh go out there and run for two yards like he did all game long? Or why are we still trotting Brandon out there? He's struggling. I mean, Art wasn't great, but come on. I mean, these guys know it. We're seeing this. This is all surface-level stuff that we're seeing. We are not making any sort of really astute observations. We aren't having to dig deep to say that, well, Art Sitkowski right now might be a better option, or yeah, maybe you should have went for it on the fourth and two, or the fourth and one the week before. This is this kind of stuff that kids learn when they play Madden when they're young. It's playing the percentages, right? I mean, this is just really kind of going with the thing that is most likely to give you success, and they continue to not do that, and then explain it away in press conferences afterwards, and only serve to lose more of the fan base when they say these things. Brett's a good speaker. I think he makes his points well, but if your point is really, really bad, it doesn't matter how well you explain it. (laughs) You could try and you could say, well, here was the thought process and go through every step of the way and do it very, you know, in a fluid manner. And then on the other side of it, you're still like, nah, yeah, I'm still not buying that. And I'm not buying it. I don't think you're buying it. And on top of that, we spend yet another college football Saturday with a football team that stinks. Yet, in this Big Ten West, you don't have to be that great to win games. And they could stink and still win games. And if they were winning games, we'd actually have fun with it. God dang, it's not that hard. It is not that hard to win these games. It is not. And yet we find a way to complicate it and and just shoot ourselves in the foot that we don't need to do. And it doesn't matter who the coach is. It just seems to, time and time again, do this thing, right? And as I mentioned earlier in this podcast, I'm going to wrap up here because eventually you can rant and rave over and over, but I feel like I'm probably doing some circular arguments here and coming back to the same point. But the thing that, two, twofold, all right, the two things that really just bother me, more, more than anger, but they're just kind of sad. The first one is the idea that we've lost average Joe fan for the foreseeable future and that it's going to be paltry attendance for quite a while. Because everyone's like, here we go again. No thanks. That bums me out. I missed the Nebraska game. And I don't regret that I did because I had a great time at this music festival. And you know me, live music's my thing. But I missed the one little moment where it felt like, hey, we might be all right. And it lasted a week. But I liked that week. I enjoyed that week. I'd like to feel that way again for another week. It's kind of past that point now, though, when you're one and four. It would take quite a bit to get that glow. And honestly, all it would have taken is just beating Maryland. Like, imagine beating Maryland. Two and two. How this week would have felt. Come on. Would have felt great. It changes things, man. It it adds a bit, cliche as this may sound, adds a bit of sunshine to your week. And we don't get that. We don't get to enjoy that kind of thing. I don't know why. (laughs) It is our lot in life, as C-3PO would say. Um, So yes, my first concern, macro, is that the fan interest is just dismal. You know, Isaac and I talked about it earlier this week, and we did on the pod. He's got his own pod, East of First, which I highly recommend. It's on all the podcast apps, East of First. 
And he asked me, you know, did your numbers go down when we started losing? I'm like, yeah. I mean, the Nebraska game, that was the most listened to podcast we ever had. That's how starved Illini fans are for success from football, right? The number one, and I'm talking all those great, you know, basketball games at the tail end of last season where we had a ton of listeners. And yet that Nebraska game, the post game that I did the next morning in the hotel room got more listens than any of them. And of course it's went back down because people, how much catharsis can there be when all you do is lose? When it's basketball and we expect more from the basketball program and John Gross isn't living up to expectations or Bruce Weber isn't able to maintain a top 25 program, there is catharsis there because you know they can be better. But I don't know for certain that Illinois football can be better because I've never seen it. John McAvick was when I was three. Kind of missed the boat on that one. Sadly, wasn't at an age where my conscience was really there, right? That sucks. And I, I hear about Mike White, you know, and I would love to see it, but part of me, just kind of like the 85 Bears, it's like, I don't really want to hear about that crap anymore because I wasn't around. I don't have that as a memory. But I did have 01, and I had 07, and I'm not even asking for that. I'm asking for somewhere in the middle. Six, seven wins a year. Just keep me interested. That's all. Just give me something to be interested in for the upcoming Saturday. And they didn't do that. And then point number two, before I wrap it up, I know these are long-winded, and I hope they serve some sort of purpose, other than just me pissing and moaning, is that I have legit concerns now about Bielema. And the honeymoon period for sure is over, if we're using that cliche. It is, 100%. But I was genuinely enthused because I felt like, okay, we got a guy that's done it before that's going to be hungry to do it right. And the efficiency with which he got a staff together and went out there and got a lot of guys, maybe not the highest star rankings on the recruiting services, but a lot of guys who were getting Power 5 offers. It seemed like he identified, here's what I want to do, and he went after it and he got it done. And then he got the first one of the season. And I said after that game that, Right now, it feels like he's done everything right. I mean, I could not think of a thing that he's done wrong. And sadly, those have piled up really quick in the last four weeks. And then when it comes down to actual head coaching decisions that just leave you scratching your head, we've had way too many of those. You know, he threw down his clipboard at the end of the game when Brandon Peters overthrew Navarro by five yards. <laughs> like, not even close. Can't even get you can't get a defensive pass interference when it's thrown like that. So at least give your guy a chance to jump up and get hit early or something, right? Couldn't even do that three times in a freaking row. And he threw it down. It's like, well, what did you expect? This is the guy you went with. He gave you four quarters of crap football and you didn't put in the other guy. Didn't even think to do it. When I saw that Jeremy had posted on Twitter that Bielema was giving like a stern talking to to Doug Kramer and Brandon Peters when they came out of the tunnel for the second half. And I thought, dear God, they're still going to play Peters. And I guess the offense moved the ball a little bit better in the second half. They still didn't have a touchdown to show for it. Two field goals, okay, that's great. Defense continued doing what they were doing, but you lost the game because of stubbornness, I think. And I don't know why coaches have this. I guess, listen, they all got an ego. You get to that level, you have to have an ego. I'm sure there was pride involved. But why is there ego or pride involved with Brandon freaking Peters? It's the most important position, not just in football, but the most important position in any team sport is the quarterback. And you're telling me that that guy, the way he was playing today, gave you the best chance? 
when we saw an Artur Sikowski play like he did against Nebraska, at least we've seen it this year. And Brett Bielma throws the clipboard down as if to say, I can't believe it didn't work. I'm so bummed. Yeah, Brett, we saw this a mile away. So what do you want? You know, like, <laughs> I wish you guys would have won, but you're kind of to blame for this. And I am just sick and tired of losing. He's got his work ahead of him, but he's got his work ahead of him right now with this team. Because if he continues to do these boneheaded decisions that these guys wouldn't do when they're playing Madden with their friends, then they're going to look at each other like, uh, talk about loyalty. What's their loyalty to Brett Bielema right now? These aren't his guys. He's got to do extra work to make sure that they are still committed after four losses in a row. And the idea that after Nebraska, I bet if you pull the line, I fans, most of us would have said they would have found their way into a bowl game. They just got to go five and six the rest of the way. They could do it. And I think everyone in that locker room thought it. And now they would have to go five and two with Iowa, Penn State, and Wisconsin on the schedule. And then win out against Charlotte, Rutgers, what is it, Northwestern, Minnesota. Is that right? Anywho, doesn't seem likely to me. And when that starts dawning on these guys that, holy crap, we're in a hole, what happens next? That is where we're really going to see a lot. We've already seen a lot, but we'll see a lot in terms of the motivational ability of a Brett Bielema. And uh, I'm concerned. I'm very concerned with where this is going and what we've seen the last four weeks, but more particularly what we've seen the last two weeks. All right. 200 Levels brought to you by DP Doe. I'm on to dpdoe.com. For all the best deals and prices, they deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. Go online to dpdo.com. Fourth and Kirby, online at fourthandkirby.com for all your vintage-inspired Illini apparel. That's fourthandkirby.com. Rector Construction, online at rectorconstruction.com for all your home exterior needs. Get a free estimate today at rectorconstruction.com. And finally, State Farm Agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com for life, auto, home, business, renters, you name it. Let Brian be your guy at brianismyguy.com. All right, Alana Inquirer, Champagne Showers Podcast Network. Uh, thank you all for tuning in. This is not the podcast we thought we would get out there. I really apologize to Isaac because he brought he brought it today. A game, damn computer, did its thing, and uh, hopefully this works. I'm, I'm I'm about to finish this up, and I'm like, please don't screw up. Be very careful with the computer. But we will be back. <clears throat> excuse me, midweek for another podcast before the Charlotte game. <laughs> good, good God. Uh, and in the meantime, if you're pissed, you have every right to be so, because I sure am. But stay safe, stay healthy, find something to make you happy. Maybe just some fields will save the weekend, right? We can hope. Um, and in the meantime, I guess go Illini, but man, it doesn't feel that great to say that right now. And it's, it's a bummer. Take care, everybody. It is the 200 level. Please.